Hey Roses, you found the best podcast out today. Welcome to the April Rose Speaking Podcast, where you're going to find you have the opportunity to level up and live at the highest level of your life. Stay tuned and make sure you're following me on all social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at April Rose Speaking. Thank you, listeners. Enjoy. Hey, Roses. This is April Rose, and today I have a special guest. Her name is Sierra Howard, and she is the podcaster of I Don't Do Budgets. In this podcast, you are going to feel the energy that comes from this young lady. She's a ball of energy. Um, She is hella smart. And she's dropping gems today um, in regards to finances. So um, we're currently under the pandemic. A lot of people are trying to get into a new normal and let go of bad habits and create new habits. This is your podcast. So take some time, go get a pen and paper, maybe something to drink. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Also, take 30 seconds today to go out to iTunes and subscribe to my podcast, April World Speaking, and also leave a review. This will allow other individuals to be able to find me and also read up on my podcast and know based on your review that it's worth listening to. I love you, Roses. Talk to you soon. Okay, April Rose Speaking listeners, thank you again for taking the time to listen to the April Rose Speaking podcast. You all know that I do like thanking you for listening because time is the most valuable thing on earth. Make sure that you are listening to me on iTunes, that you subscribe and review this podcast. Make sure that you listen um, on Facebook and Instagram. There is a link that you can listen to this podcast. But today I want to jump right into this new podcast for you. Um, I have a very, very, very awesome guest that I know almost each and every one of you are going to love. I know you listen to my podcast. I have a lot of different topics, but guaranteed you're going to like this podcast. So this next guest that I have is a fellow podcaster. She is in the podcasting world and I have um, a podcast called The Goal Standard Podcast. And the person who has that podcast, her name is Lene Hippolyte. She had my guest that I have on today on her podcast and that's how I found her. Sierra Howard is a podcaster and her show is called I Don't Do Budgets. I want to introduce you to Sierra. She's a podcaster who actually talks about budgets and she went against the grain, you guys. Wait till you hear this story. So I want to welcome Sierra. How are you doing today? I'm well, April. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited. I am so happy I found you. I literally found you the other day and I'm like, I have to grab her (laughs) and get her on my podcast. Like when I listen to you talk, when I listen to your stories, it instantly drew me in and it almost made me feel like I wanted to step my game up in so many ways through, you know, financial, through my podcast. So thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. So I guess, you know, just like any other podcast, we're going to go through a series of questions. I am so excited. So are you ready for the first question? I am super ready. (laughs) Okay. So quickly, if you could tell my listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to starting your podcast called I Don't Do Budgets. 
Yeah, so as April said, I'm Sierra Howard, and I am the podcast founder of Auto New Budgets. And what really led me to start was once I graduated college, I had more student loans than what my salary was. So I was making like 40000 and I had like 50000 in student loans. And so for me, going through college the last four years, I thought in, back then, I was like, okay, I've been in college last four years and now I just really want to reward myself because I've been a broke college student the last four years. Now it's time for me to ball out. So I graduated, moved to a whole different state. I was living in Minnesota, which I had never been in Minnesota before that, but my job relocated me from Arkansas to Minnesota. And then I just, for me, I didn't have any friends or anything like that. So I would always go to the mall in the Mall of America is in Minnesota. There's literally malls everywhere in Minnesota. Um, so I would go to the mall. Mall, of, mom, America. I would go back mall to- of America is in Minnesota, right? Huh? Mall of America, it's in Minnesota, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. So I didn't really, you know, know anybody. So I was always at the mall and I just would go crazy, like running on my credit cards and just... I just can't even fathom I, like the things I was buying. I was just going crazy. So I did that for like six months. And then I actually met friends. And then we would go out. And then we would go to brunch. And then we would go pop bottles at the club, whatever. And we would travel. So I did that literally for six months. And then once I came to the realization, like, you have nothing to show for. You've been in Minnesota for six months. You have been going to work. You are still living paycheck to paycheck with a full-time salary job. And you have nothing in your savings. April, when I tell you they closed my savings account because I wasn't saving any money, it was ridiculous. And I was scared to check my bank account after the weekend. So it was just like, I, I remember just driving to work one day. It was early. And I was like, this can't be life. Like, do other people do this? Is this normal for people to have a job but then live paycheck to paycheck? And I was like, no, it, it something has to change. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going to like a real estate investing program because I knew I wanted to invest in real estate. And the lady asked if I knew what my disposable income was. And at the time, I didn't even know what disposable income meant. I Googled it and I was like, um, hold on one second. And so <laughs> I Googled it and then I got back on the phone and she was like, oh, well, you know, do you know your disposable income? And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, I'm saving $500 a month for my disposable income because it's my disposable income at the time, once I calculated, was $1,500. And so then I was like, I'm saving $500 a month, which I was lying. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, well, how much do you have in your savings? And I'm like, sweating bullets because I'm lying and so then I was just like from that point forward I was like I can save $500 a month because if I should be having $1,500 left and I have nothing to show for it then something is wrong so from that point forward I started saving $500 a month and and then I started cutting out stuff stuff that it was so unnecessary that I was paying for and I started putting that money towards my credit card bills so I got on that path, got my got rid of my credit card debt. I paid off like $9,000 in credit card debt. And then I started, I had 
probably within a year, I had saved like a little bit over $5,000. Now, mind you, they had just closed my savings account like the year before that. And so I was on a completely different path and people started reaching out to me and was like, well, can you help me? Right. So it just, that's how it all started, honestly. So you kind of felt from what I pulled from the podcast, well, I'm saying this over and over again. You kind of went through the path of doing a blog but that really wasn't working for you so you ended up with the podcast is, is that right yes so I did start my blog and it was called young white and financially free because so many people were coming to me asking me for advice and so then I would text them all the the same advice and then people were like well you should start a blog and I was like mm, I don't really want to start a blog I kept t- telling people no but then I got tired of sending the same information over and over. Right. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'll start a blog. I wrote three blog posts. And I was like, this is not for me. I, When I tell you, I love, like, I can write. And I'm actually a really good writer. And But I'm lazy at the same time. So I would, honestly, if I could jump in, what's hard for me about blogging, I know I'm not the best writer, but I know there's like, people that can edit and stuff mm-hmm. I want my personality to come through yes that's hard for me in writing yes that's what I was gonna say and I'm like very energetic I'm pretty sure anybody listening can tell like for my voice I have a very energetic personality and like I just I'm I love to just make jokes and just be silly so for me I can really get that out through a blog like I was like People can't understand my personality. They can't just hear what I have to say. And I was like, I just want to talk. I was like, this blog is not working for me. So I ended up going to my project manager who helped me start my blog. And I was like, I want to start a podcast. And she was like, okay, I'll help people start a podcast. Like, what let, What do you want to do? Let's, what do you want to talk about? And so I told her. I ended up paying her to produce my first three episodes. And that was in January of 2018. I didn't even start my podcast until until a year later. So I started my podcast February 2019. And it was because I was so scared to start. I was like, who's going like, to listen to my voice? Who's going to like me? Who's going to, you know, who am I to be telling people about money? I mean, I had all these imposter syndrome thoughts and all these negative thoughts holding me back. So it took me a whole year to start my podcast. And I remember going to my project manager a year later and I was like, can we go ahead and start the podcast? I'm ready to start. And she was like, I've been waiting on you. What you mean? <laughs> so I went ahead and started my podcast out of new budget. And what was crazy, the name came from me helping people. And I would always tell them, just so you know, I don't do budget. And people would be like, oh my God, I love that. And I would always get that reaction of like people being excited when I would say that so then I like I, literally one day I just sat up in the bed and I was like I don't do budgets that's gonna be the name of my podcast so that's where it came from so it was like a movie how we see on like honey I shrunk the kids or something like yes. that like, it just hits you like I don't do budgets that was literally and I called my mama I called my boyfriend I was like my podcast it's gonna be I don't do budgets and they're like okay that is like <laughs> the perfect perfect name yes thank you it is like literally the perfect name but 
I love listening to your story. I love the way you talk. Like, it just literally, it brings me joy. Like, I feel like if I'm having a bad day, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go listen to Sierra's <laughs> podcast today. I'm going to have so much energy. Like, literally, just your personality just bubbles through. And I am so, like, serious sometimes because the topics that I talk about is about, you know, African-Americans, our culture, things people don't want to talk about. So it takes a level of seriousness. And I'm a very serious person. But there's times that I have fun and I laugh, especially with my friends. My friends kind of bring that side of my personality out. And I honestly click with people with your type of personality because I am so serious. They kind of like bring me out of that, right? Yes. So, yeah. So totally, totally like your um, title of your podcast. But um, so you mentioned when you talk to people, you say, first of all, I don't do budgets. So if you can think about all of those times that you talk to your clients, like what are the top two questions or the top two things that that you just always encounter over and over again with clients? Like what mistakes are people making out there? Like maybe the top two things. I would say number one was food. So a lot of people would eat their money. <laughs> so that is honestly, I've, I've met people that would spend $800 a month eating out, $1,000 a month eating out. So most of their money went to food. And then the second thing would be to, it would go towards like entertainment and travel and like other miscellaneous things that you're not even really paying attention to. Like, you know, spending $5 here, $10 here. So it just be like random little things. And okay, I'm gonna say a third thing. The third thing would be uh, travel. And so people didn't really plan it out or figure out the best way to travel. So then, you know, you would just go on a trip. And I know, and I'm speaking about myself because that's all the things that I struggle with as well. So talking about email, one of the things that a lot of financial coaches will tell you is like, okay, you got to stop eating out. You know, you got to start eating ramen noodles and don't go anywhere and I honestly for me when I would listen to that when I was like trying to get my money together I was in a new city so of course it was hard for me not to go out because the new friends that I was making wanted to go out to eat so then I'm like well how am I supposed to make new friends but just sit at the house so for me that didn't work I was like "Mm, I still want to go out I still want to have fun like I'm and at the time when I was in Minnesota, I was 22. So I'm like, I'm 22. Why am I just going to be sitting in the house eating ramen noodles all the time? I'm already the, for, first of all, I'm in a whole new state, a whole new city. I'm already sad because all my friends are back home or whatever. And I don't have any friends here. So of course I'm not just going to sit in the house. I'm already bored. So that for me just did not work. And so what I started doing was I started like eating before I would go. And then maybe when I went out to eat, I would maybe get an appetizer or I would split something with somebody or just get a drink or whatever. So then that way I wasn't just sitting in the house. And then sometimes I would just go eat or whatever, but you know, maybe order something that was cheaper, not order the most expensive thing on the menu or whatever. And so it wasn't all about cutting everything loose. I started cutting the luxury things. Like I was getting food delivered to my house. That was like something that I didn't necessarily need, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this food delivery. I'm gonna start using that money to pay off my credit card bills. And then that way I feel better because I'm paying off my credit card bills, but then I'm still able to go eat with my friends. But then I started eating at home more. 
So it's like I didn't completely give up eating out, but then I also didn't eat out as much as I did before. So I started just like changing some things out and becoming better. And that's what I do with my clients. Like I figure out what is what is taking the most of their money. And that could be food or that could be travel. We figure out, okay, let's come up with a plan for you to still be able to do those things. I've never, out of all the clients I've had, and I've had tons of clients, I have never told not one person, you need to stop doing this. Because I know that if you love doing something, you're going to still want to do it. So then I'm like, let's figure out how you can still do it, but still pay off your debt, still save money. So we'll come up with a plan to do it that way. So that was for me. I was like, mm, no, not getting this out food because I love food. I'm a foodie. I, that's like the way to my heart is food. So that, that was one of the big things. And then travel was really big for me as well. Okay. I love to travel. Like that's if I could just live my life doing anything, it would be traveling. And so I also know that. Us as black millennials, we love to travel. Um, just being young, you just want to go out and you want to experience the world. So that's another thing. I created a travel fund. So then that way I don't feel guilty about going on a trip. Because before, I would go on a trip and then come back and couldn't pay my rent. But now I separate my money. So that's like one of the things I really teach my clients is to separate and automate. So now... I separate, all my money is separated. So my bills are separated from my travel. My travel is separated from my eating out, from my shopping. So I have different pots of money that I use for specific things. And so that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you set up a specific goal account for whatever it is that you want to do, you can still do it without feeling guilty. So whenever I want to go on a trip, the money is already in the account because $50 goes in there every single week, which is $200 a month. So whenever it's time for me to go on a trip, money is just in that account already. So that's like one of the big things. And then knowing your disposable income, that was like one of the things that I didn't know for the longest. But once I calculated that money, I was able to really see where my money was going. Right. So honestly, I like listening to you on the gold standard podcast with Lede. So I liked just how you explained things, you know, you simplified it. It made sense. But when you told that example about going out to eat with friends, I was like, what planet is Sierra from? Because <laughs> honestly, when you're in debt and you know, that's why people don't want to budget because they know somebody or or go find a financial advisor because they're gonna say you need to stop going out. Right. But why if you're already depressed or anxious about being in debt, would you isolate yourself and be antisocial? Like it exactly. makes no sense. No sense at all. Then so it when becomes said, worse. Right. So when you said that, I was like, like the light bulb came on, like that makes sense. Eat before you go go have a drink and you still have like that social aspect of being around your friends that makes total total sense right and you don't even have to tell your friends like you know i'm not eating yeah. out as much or whatever absolutely but they're not gonna notice right they, they'll just notice that you're there but they will notice if you're not showing up that it makes to trust me girl that makes total total sense so you mentioned your clients and you helping them save or helping them figure out you know the different buckets so i got a couple questions from that when you were explaining first of all uh, uh how many um 
you could think of like your top client like how much did you get a person to really save or like turn around their financial situation if i can think of my top client she paid off fifteen thousand dollars in debt in less than a year and she was a person when she came to me that was like stressed out and she had no clue where her money was going like she literally felt depressed to talk about her money and so but she still wanted to do those things like she still wanted to go to brunch she still wanted to you know socialize with her friends and do all these things and she also had to go to purchase her a home so i was like okay let's set up a plan to do these things so me and her would literally have sessions and i could literally see the progression from each session and i'm talking about she did a whole just like a whole turnaround because when I could I just remember our first call and how overwhelmed she was she questioned everything I told her to do so she was the person that was like well why should I do this why should I open up a, a separate bill account why should I do this and I, and I mean I was just like oh my gosh this girl is so tough but when I tell you she did everything I told her even though she questioned everything I said she did it and when I tell you, within like six months, she was like, you've changed my entire life. Like, I don't know what I have, what I have done with you. She, she was like, I can't imagine not having a bill account. I have money everywhere. And I remember when I told her that on our first call, I was like, you're going to have money everywhere. And she was like, looking at me like I was crazy. She was like, girl, please. Like, how can you tell me I'm going to have money everywhere when I don't have any money in my bank account right now? So after about six months of like us continuously meeting and working on her debt goals and saving money and all that stuff, she just, when I can tell you her confidence, everything about her had changed. And it just made my heart so happy to know that I was a part of her transformation. And even when I talk to her now, like she just bought her house. So it's so crazy to think about a year ago when we had our first session these are things that she talked about doing and she has done it all she's exceeded her goals and now she's helping people with their money so right I, when i tell you she just that's like honestly me and her have actually became friends from this so. but that's when you know you found your passion mm-hmm. and so i talk a lot about passion on this podcast um i know i started my podcast and i'm like this is my passion um, because I feel people come to me and they're like, I, I never thought of that or I never thought of this that way. Um, I'm able to help people like turn that light bulb on. And so when you see that you transform someone's life, I think that is like a calling. Like, you know, yes. that is what you need to do. So I know how it feels and how that just makes you feel like so good inside. Um, but do you have to like set up multiple checking and savings accounts? Like, you have your vacation bucket you have your going out to eat bucket like how would you just tell the listeners how they might want to set it up quickly so a lot of people think that i have like 10 checking accounts like 30 savings accounts and that's not how i have i have one checking account and then i have two well okay let me think i have one checking account with bank of america and then i have a savings account with bank of america and then I have a high yield interest savings account with Marcus by Goldman Sachs. So those are like my three main accounts. And then the rest of the accounts are through goal accounts. And basically what goal accounts are, are for specific goals, like eating out or a trip or 
um, Christmas or whatever it is that you have a, a goal set up, or like moving. I had a goal account for moving. And so basically, I use an app called Capital. It's with a Q. And you can literally set up as many accounts as you want. But all of your money is through this one bank. And let's say, let's say you have two goals. Let's say you have a goal account for travel and then you have a goal account for a move. You might have a thousand dollars in each account. And so it'll show that you have two thousand dollars total. But whenever you're using money from your travel, that is coming out of that thousand dollars. So it's not like you have like 30 separate accounts. It's all like one bank, but right. it's separate accounts. So the goal accounts are just like mini sub accounts of your main account. Yes. Got it. That makes sense. And it's and so it's cool. Capital I, said? Yes, it's called Capital Q. <laughs> Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. And I also have a link where you can get $10 if you sign up with my link. But when I tell you... I'll put that in the show notes too for my listeners. Yes, it's great. It has really changed the game for me because I used it for my move to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta last month. And I ended up saving over $3,000 just for Atlanta just wow. and so when I you know had to get a U-Haul and had to pay deposits and all that stuff like that it came out of my capital account and so it didn't nothing like my U-Haul I'm not even gonna lie the U-Haul was like $900 and so I was like oh my god $900 is crazy but I had $3,000 saved up for it so I mean right. it, it's not like it put a dent in my pocket or it made me feel uncomfortable during that time or whatever for the move Yes, I was prepared. And I started saving a year in advance because I knew I was moving to Atlanta in, when, within one year. And so I started saving. And so the money, I would automatically have $63 go into that account every single week. And so for me, I didn't miss that $63. It didn't really bother my account at all. And so it just went into my capital account for Atlanta. And at the end of the year, I had like, over three thousand dollars in there and you know sometimes i would put more money in there you know if i got like extra money from somewhere i would just like add some extra money in there but a lot of times people will have these goals or or they know that something is happening but then they won't prepare for it so that's one thing like you know if you know your car is breaking down or whatever or it's getting pretty old then go ahead and start saving for it now so you don't have to be in a a panic when it does happen but you've been knowing this car has been getting old or whatever or like right. for me like i've been knew that i was gonna move to atlanta so instead of me waiting until the month of and being like oh my gosh no y'all are you all i was already prepared because i knew it was happening so right really prepare yourself in advance like even christmas like people panic every time around christmas like oh my gosh and i'm like christmas is the same day every freaking year so you know even now start saving five dollars a week for christmas or ten dollars a week for christmas whatever you know it's gonna be at the end of the year go ahead and save for it right so my next question it's kind of it's a little bit of background before i get to the main question but you know when i listened to your podcast with lene you were talking about how you grew up and you know you saw you know just growing up you realize you weren't taught 
certain tools that you have now. And I'm really big when you're trying to be successful in life or you're trying to change your life around, you have to tell yourself a new story. Mm-hmm. And you even said, my mom just didn't know. It's not like I'm mad at her. It's just that she just didn't know how to handle money. And it's kind of the same way with me. My parents, you know, my dad worked for a steel mill. My mom kind of stayed home for a bit of time and then had to go into the job market. But she was married. He had, you know, money. She would go and go shopping. But I never really saw them save. I saw them spend. I saw, you know, how they would dress us. But I didn't have that narrative you know of how to spend how to save money and so then I repeated the cycle I got married I had kids my husband made six figures I had a job we were like for real for real like upper middle class then I went through my divorce and now it was like I was flipped upside down because you know my money when I was married went to my kids their clothes you know maybe some food in the house because he took care of the you know the house and the bills Mm -hmm. so now it's like where do I go from here? Now I have rent. Now I have the lights. Now I ha- and on top of the normal stuff that I was paying for. So I guess my question is, you don't have kids, but I don't know if you're preparing to have kids or when you do have kids. What do you plan on teaching your kids to where they don't go through the struggles that me and you did because we didn't have a narrative and it's not it wasn't our parents fault so how can we stop that cycle that generational cycle the cultural cycle our culture as african americans what what are you going to teach your children so that they're they're set up better in life so i really want to teach my kids about investing well i say kids but i want to have one child but um (laughs) but if i have more than one child yeah there you go but um I really want to teach my kids about investing and how to really make your money work for you rather than only working for money and then teaching them about saving at an early age and how important it is to not rely on credit cards but then being able to utilize credit cards to their advantage because a lot of times we we are taught in the black community that credit cards are bad and you shouldn't get a credit card and da 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 and you know it'll ruin your life but that's because no one is teaching us how to properly use them so that's one thing that i really want my kids to understand you don't have to be scared of credit cards you just have to know how to use them as a tool just like money money is a tool and if we utilize it as a tool then we can be so much further in life we can reach our goals because if you think about it, it's just literally a tool so I want my kids to know that they can do whatever it is they want to do in life you know they just have to be able to have their money working for them and then that way they're not having to just go to work for money so that is one of the big things I know I had a guest Rachel Hannibal she has a book called Amber's Magical Savings Box and it it has a, a, a black girl on the book which I love and throughout this about how to save for this magical toy that she wants and so I just think it's really and I bought two of the books so it's a and children's book yes it's a children's okay. book and I just thought it was so cool because it's interactive and it teaches them how to really do things around the house for money so like she would help her mom wash dishes and do little things in order to earn money to buy this magical toy and so for me 
I want my kids to know at an early age, like money don't grow on trees. I'm gonna teach you how to get it, but then I'm also gonna teach you how to make the money that you get work for you at the same time. So really to talk to my kids about investing, saving, and then being able to monetize your passion. Right, right. So I'm still, and that's why I wanted you on this podcast, I'm still making my way through um, just bettering myself and putting myself in a better financial position as being a single mother. And I've reached out to a financial advisor um, and I have been talking to him for like the last year. And I was like, you know what? My daughter is a makeup artist and she's, you know, a teenager right now. He didn't really, when I brought it to her, she really didn't understand the impact or what I was really trying to do because she's making a lot of money. Like she makes money, but the worst place you can be is having a lot of money and not know what to do with it. Because I've been in that situation. There was a time that I had a windfall of money and I had no freaking clue of what to do with it. So I'm really trying to prepare my children to understand, number one, I want freedom. It's nice to be rich. I would like to be rich. You know, no one will pass that up. But really, in reality, for me, it's freedom. I want to travel with my kids. I I, I don't want to be a slave to the clock. I want to do the things that I want to do in life. And I think, like you said, money is a tool credit cards is a tool but really in reality the back the back story of it is you really want freedom to do what you right yes time freedom is so important and i and i tell people that nowadays like a job and a salary is cool and all but then you know if you don't have any time or any freedom then what does that really mean you know you're making all this money but what can you do with it because you don't have any time freedom and for me that's my goal in life is to be able to have control over my own time right and that's why I definitely jumped out of my marriage like I mean I really tried every avenue to keep my marriage together I wanted to raise my kids with their father but honestly I knew there was a certain type of life that I wanted to live I know there's a limited time of me being on this earth and I wanted freedom and so that's why I have this podcast and I have um I I was willing to give up the big house the big the big everything because it was I didn't feel free I was still a slave to the clock I was a slave in my marriage like I was like no I want freedom in my life and that's why I was willing to give a lot of things up to start over and build a better foundation to where I can live the life that I want to live and I I know that's the story of so so many so many other people but you did mention about real estate. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about like what you're doing in real estate and what like piqued your interest in it and, and what you're planning on doing in the future with it? Yeah, so I've always been interested in real estate ever since I was like a teenager. And I just remember looking and realizing like everybody has to have a house or a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And you know, people, you landlords charge you rent and I wanted to understand how to become a landlord. And so I was always kind of on that path to understanding real estate. And so I, once I lived in Minneapolis, I, that's when I kind of started getting into it a lot more. It was just crazy because I remember being in Minneapolis and being like, I hate it here. Why am I here? I remember asking God, like, why do you have me here? And I didn't understand at the time. And now I realize why God had me there. It was more so for me to get out of my comfortable, my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I was so comfortable at home. You know, I had my friends and all that stuff like that, but then I wasn't growing like I needed to. 
And once I moved to Minneapolis, I was isolated. I didn't have any friends. You know, that's when I started getting my money together. And that's when I started realizing, like, it's time for me to have something to show for. And so then I made a goal there. I was like, okay, I'm going to have my first property. By the time I turned 25, I was at, I was, at the time I was 22. So I was like, in three years, I'm going to have my first rental property. And so that's when I really started saving specifically for my rental property. I started looking for rental properties. I started learning about real estate. I started going to real estate seminars and everything. Because I would look at rich people and I would realize like rich people all have real estate. Like it doesn't, even if, you know, you're a basketball player or like Cardi B, they have real estate. So if you just look at a lot of rich people, they have real estate because people will always need a place to stay. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, okay, real estate is the key to wealth. And I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's how he became a millionaire was through real estate. Mm-hmm. And so I read that book and it changed my entire mindset. So I was like, I have to have rental properties. So I almost went the traditional route. I moved back to Arkansas um, after a year in Minnesota. And then I almost went the traditional route. And I almost bought a house through a bank. Like, you know, get a loan. Um, I almost got the, um, what do you call a loan? FHA loan? Yes. So I almost got an FHA loan and, you know, got my credit checked and did all the things. I, I did everything to get my credit right. And I, I found a house and I almost closed on the house. Like the week before I was supposed to, I was supposed to close on the house, I went to another real estate seminar. And I remember it just rained and rained and rained the entire week and I was there at the seminar. And I learned so many different things at that seminar and it made me start to question like, should I go through the bank to get my loan? Like there's other strategies and tactics in order to get your first property. And I don't have to, you know, be in debt. Cause the house was 135,000. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, do I want a 15 year mortgage for 135000 Do I want to really be in debt for that loan for my first rental? And so I started to rethink things. And then I was like, God, please give me a sign. Do I need to buy this house or not? So that Monday, after coming back from the seminar, my realtor called me and she was like, hey, so the backyard has flooded to the point where the water is almost in the house. Mm. I was like, uh, God, that's my <laughs> sign. Thank you. I'm out. I'm done. So the sellers did not want to go down on the price at all. They did not want to budge for anything. Um, I think they went down like $1,000 on the asking price, which really didn't help. They didn't want to help on closing costs, anything like that. So I walked away. And I remember walking away, but then I also felt a sign. I, I knew that I was supposed to walk away, but I also felt like oh, wow, I'm not going to have, you know, my rental property or whatever, you know. So I started looking for more properties. And that was, honestly, that was when I was 25, when I almost did that. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to reach my goal and, you know, whatever. No, I was 24, but I turned 25 later on that year. So later on that year, I turned 25. And then I was like, okay, well, I have to get my rental within the next year. And so... I remember, you know, months going by, months going by, months going by. And I was like, I don't have my rental. And I remember the week before I was supposed to turn 26, I was like kind of feeling a little down because I was like, I'm about to turn 26. I don't have my first rental. And 
I didn't reach my goal. So I kind of felt bad. And it's just crazy how things work. How you, like, God will literally laugh at your brain. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call from my grandma. Like, my birthday was on Sunday. She called me on Thursday. So a few days before my birthday, she called me. She was like, hey, I know this house for sale. My neighbor across the street, daughter is selling a house, you know, and it's $6,000. And she's willing to do payments, like sell her finances. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come down and look at the house because I was three hours away. And I was like, I'll come look at the house. So I went and looked at the house and she was like, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't 6000 She said it was 9000 So I went and looked at the house. It was $9,000. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have to get this roof fixed because there was a hole in, in the one of the rooms. And she was like, okay, well, I'll give, give it to you for 8000 I was like, oh. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to have... And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get the porch fixed. And she was like, okay, I'll give it to you, to you for $7,000. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, let me see some other stuff I need to get fixed over here. So then I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to get this um, this room and all these, like, walls fixed or whatever. She's like, okay, I'll take it to 6000 And then I ended up being like, well, will you take four? So she was like, well, no, I've already went down about $3,000. Like, six is the lowest I could go, whatever. And so then I, like play hardball and I'll do well I'll give you um a couple days to think about it but then I started thinking about it I'm like well seller financing she wasn't she didn't charge me no interest and so then she also said she would help with the um the contract cost and all that stuff like that we went through a title company and so then she's like she would go half on it and so and which was crazy because I guess she thought like I don't really have any money like that and so she she's like I won't charge you interest I'll only, only charge you $300 a month and I will help you on the closing cost or whatever or the contract cost and so I was like okay and so then once I called her back I was like okay I'm gonna go ahead and go forward with the house and so she only requested me to pay a thousand dollars down and then three hundred dollars a month so I gave her three hundred dollars plus a thousand dollars down so it only took me thirteen hundred dollars to get the keys to the house and right now I pay her three hundred dollars a month I'm almost done paying off the house and I just finished rehabbing the house which oh my gosh that's a whole story with you yeah we'll have to have a part two podcast yes oh my goodness so that taught me so much well you're a good negotiator number one for you I I know that's key I've negotiated a lot of things and that whole walk away thing like they'll be like wait a minute hold up wait one second the walk away was key for me in a lot of the negotiations too Mm -hmm. because then that lets people know that you're not afraid to lose it so yeah I learned a lot from that situation the number one thing that I would say for anybody that wants to get a rental their first rental make sure you get it in state like close to you yeah not even in state like where it's like drivable like super close right that was my biggest mistake i would say for my first rental so i know a lot of people talk about like oh invest out of town you know get houses cheaper out of state da 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 which is cool once you have some experience right you know done it a couple of times my first one was out of state and it was the most stressful process because i a lot of things i had to pay for it twice because it was done wrong because i wasn't there so 
I mean, that's I just learned a lot from that just situation. Your first rental to get that experience, and once you have the experience under your belt, then you can you may know people in a different state that can kind of be like to help you with the property and stuff like that. But if you're learning that experience firsthand, you probably want that driving distance to be close, right? Yes. I mean, it was just like down to the paint. Like the paint was wrong. The paint color. Just because I wasn't there to see it happen. So, I mean, I could just go on and on about everything that I learned from the process. But as far as like money wise, I knew that I had to be able to generate income every month in order to reach time freedom. So in order for me to be on the path, bring back my time, quote unquote, I had to have money coming in every month. So just like how you get money every month from a job, you want to set up things that will bring you money every month. And for me, that'd be my rent. Right. So I'm getting ready to post it for rent and I'll be making, I'm going to post it for 700 for that area. So then I'll pay her her 300. So I'll be making a profit of 400 and I'm going to save some for like repairs and things like that. But then once I'm done paying her, the $700 is coming straight to me every month. And so really the key takeaway is look at your income and see okay how much are you making every month so let's say you're making three thousand a month if you know that you're making three thousand a month and you want to get out of your job or you want to become free you know okay it at least i at least need three thousand dollars in order to you know still continue right. on the same path that i'm right. on right now so what are some things that can get you to three thousand a month there's so many things like i'm looking into vending machines right me now. too anything that's like me passive too. income automation where money just coming into to your account every month boom that's what you need to look into yes exactly so how long have you how long from the time you bought the house up until now you're about to post the house for rent like how what's the time span six months wow and honestly it should have been shorter or it would have been shorter had I been there. Right. Got it. So, yeah, that's why I say your first rental should not be out of state. Well, we definitely going to have some conversations because it seemed like a lot of the things you're thinking about, I'm thinking about too. So, and what do they say? Great minds think alike, baby. Yes. So my last question, do you have any other thoughts or um, any last things that you would like to say to my roses those are my listeners the last anything that you want to tell them before you get off the podcast today I would just say make sure you monetize your passion so anything that you're you love to do anything that you're good at anything that people tell you're good at so if somebody's constantly saying oh my gosh your french toast is so good Think about that and say, okay, how can I monetize this, you know? And so if you want to be on a path to financial freedom, you need to be able to replace your current income and make money from outside sources. So they always say that the average millionaire has at least seven streams of income. And it's so true because the more streams of income you have, the easier it is for you to build wealth. So I would say think beyond just like your job. And that's what I really talk to people about on my podcast. I highlight black millennials who are securing the bag beyond a nine to five job because I want people to see that you don't have to just work a job for the rest of your life in order to make money. And even if you do work a job for the rest of your life, that is not gonna get you to financial freedom. 
in anytime soon. It's gonna take you a, a long time. You'll be tired by the time you reach it. You're gonna be old. So you gotta think outside of just a job. You have to build things beyond just a nine to five. And so, like I mentioned, real estate, vending machines, it, those things are not things that I'm absolutely passionate about. I'm passionate about my podcast and I love helping people with money, but those things are gonna get me to be able to do the things that I'm passionate about full time. Right. Totally, totally, totally. And um, right now we're in the gig economy. That is what our economy is called right now. Everybody working a nine to five is now starting to say, okay, this isn't life. This, I need to follow my passion. And so they're mm-hmm. up hobbies and finding ways to make money off of those hobbies or those passions. And also our parents grew up in a generation where, you know, they stayed for 20, 30 years at one job. And then the whole financial, uh, you know, boom happened and people was losing money in their 401k. And we're like, oh no, that is not what's going to happen to me in my future, you know? So we're living in a totally different world now. Social media is here. There's so many ways to make money. There's so many ways to be successful. Um, and that's why I continue to put people like you um, in front of my listeners because you are thinking outside the box. You are not only, if a door shut, you're creating your own door. You're not knocking on it. You're creating your own door. And that's why um, I really like you. I like what you're doing. I want you to continue in your path. Uh, you have a bright future in front of you. And girl, we're going to be talking soon. We will talk soon. Yes. So, <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast. Um, I look forward to you listening again. Make sure, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, that you go out to iTunes, that you subscribe, you listen and review this podcast, and make sure you share. If there's somebody out there that needs to listen to this podcast and it resonates with you or it may resonate with them, make sure you share the podcast. And I'll talk to you, Roses, next time. I love you. Have a good day. Bye.